This morning's message is titled, The Time of Judges. The Time of Judges. We're just going to be reading one verse this morning, Judges 21, 25. As I was preparing for this message, this is kind of something, this is an idea. This is something that's kind of been on my heart for probably a year or so. Um, something that as, I, um, as I've been preparing for and just trying to follow the guidance of the Lord and what to preach this Sunday, just this message so heavily came on my heart last week. And, uh, and, and I, read, I read an article, and, and I'll explain it later on in, in, the, in this morning's um, sermon, but I read an article that kind of led me and spurred me to, to preach this. I think it's very, very important for us today as the church to understand where we are, capital C Church, and a, and a call for our church to be the church that God has ordained us to be. And so this morning, again, we're going to be in Judges chapter 21. This is the very final verse of the book of Judges. So Judges chapter 21. If you would, stand to your feet for the reading of God's word. Verse 25. The word of the Lord says this. In those days there was no king in Israel. Everyone did what was right in his own eyes. Heavenly Father, thank you for today. God, thank you for your word. God, thank you for your spirit. God, thank you for your love and your grace and your mercy. Father, I pray, Lord, that your hand would just be on me this morning. Lord, that would not be my words spoken, but yours spoken through me. Father, I pray, Lord, that those who have ears, let them hear the declaration of your word today. Pray, Father, it would be your spirit. Pray this all for your glory and honor. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You may be seated. So in this passage, this is actually, in, in my opinion, this is the most important verse in the entire book of Judges. Because this is, this is really, when you look at it, this is the entire theme of the book of Judges. We see this in other places. Judges chapter 19 uh, says pretty much the same thing that goes on here at the beginning of Judges. It says the same kind of thing of this verse. But this is the theme verse of Judges. So if you're looking at what is the theme of Judges, this is it. And many scholars and, and, and those who are theologians that read Scripture, a lot of them would say that that this, or I guess some of them would say that this is actually an argument for having a king. This is an argument for Israel to have a king. Why? Because in those days there was no king in Israel. God's people didn't have a quote-unquote leader. And everyone did what was right in his own eyes. My observation of this, and I think some other smarter people might agree with me, um, is, is that this is not necessarily an argument for a king, more of an argument for the king. And I'll explain it in, in a few moments, but really what's going on in the book of Judges is, is we see, specifically we see 12 judges that are chosen by God. 
And these 12 judges are chosen by God to deliver Israel and to give them a time of rest. And so to deliver them from the hands of their enemies. Some of them Ammonites, Amalekites, Philistines. But we have different enemies of the people of God and they come in because it says that, that the people of God were wicked in their ways. They, they turned from the Lord. And so God needed to give them somebody. God needed to give them a hero in order to deliver them so that they can go back to serving the Lord. And so we see 12 judges chosen throughout this. There's a few others through scripture. I think uh, Samuel would be considered one of the last judges. So Joshua would be considered one of the first judges, right? If you, if you kind of look at it like that. Um, and so th there is that understanding of, of there are other judges, quote unquote judges, to lead Israel uh, in scripture that aren't just in the book of Judges. But this is mainly kind of the, the main ones that are chosen. And we see that that God does incredible works through these men and women. We see that, that Shamgar, one of the judges, he kills 600 Philistines with an ox goat. We see that Gideon, he defeats an entire army with only 300 men. An army, thousands of people, only 300 of his army. We see Deborah, the only female judge defeating the Canaanite general Sisera. We see Jephthah conquering 20 Ammonite cities. We see Samson, who with his great strength killed a thousand Philistines with the jawbone of a donkey. We see incredible things happening through these judges. Things that would deliver Israel, would give them rest. They were anointed by God to deliver God's people out of hardship. And that's exactly what they did. These judges, they saved Israel time and time again. You know, some of them, they gave 40 years of rest. And then Israel went back to their wicked ways. And then God raised up another person, another 40 years of rest. And in total, out of all of these individuals, they brought around 300 years of peace and rest to Israel. That's older than the United States. Think about that. 300 years, over 300 years of rest. And as you study the Judges, and as you look through the book of Judges, and you have this verse in mind, you'll realize one important thing. These Judges, they brought peace, they brought rest, but none of that actually lasts. These judges would bring 40 years of peace and rest for Israel. They were delivered. None of, none of God's enemies or, or the people of God's enemies would come against them. And then all of a sudden they turned away from God and then they needed somebody else to come in and do it. And time and time again, they needed someone else. And then the very end of this story, this Judges 21, 25, in those days there was no king. The, the, the writer in some ways is sitting there as, a, as an argument to sit there and say, hey, look, we need a king. We need somebody to lead us because we can't lead ourselves. We can't do this on our own. We need somebody to lead. The unfortunate thing is, again, they were looking for a king and not looking for the king. 
They were looking for a man. They were looking for a leader, a, a, a physical leader. Instead, the, the whole point, you know, Israel was never meant, the people of God were never meant to necessarily be led by a person. In the sense of you and I, people of God were called to be led by God. You know, even some of the judges, they fell short after they were used in mighty ways. They did incredible things. Gideon did incredible things. But then at the end of his life, he began to worship idols. And even in his own home, his son Abimelech decided to make himself the ruler. He appointed himself king, and, and in so doing, he, he killed all of his brothers. And by the way, there were 70 of them. Yes. They got real awkward at Thanksgivings. <laughs> appointed himself king, there was that evil there. Jephthah, as great as he was, he sacrificed his own daughter through his foolishness. Samson gave himself over to Delilah, who, de who delivered him to the Philistines, which ended up being his downfall. These judges were human. They were flawed. And they let down the people of Israel. The rest that was brought to God's people didn't last. The final story, you know, we... It would be great if the book of Judges stopped at Judges 18. Israel, rest. Ah. But that's not what happened. We have three more chapters. And starting in verse 19, we see that it came about in those days when there was no king in Israel. Yet again, here we are, right? And what happened at that, that final story within Judges, that final happening? The story shows the, the wickedness of even the purest of God's people. It said there was a Levite with a concubine. Uh-oh. That's a problem there. A Levite was supposed to be set apart. A leader of God's people into the presence of God. They were the, the priestly Line. And this Levite has a concubine. They go and, and, and he finds out, this Levite finds out that his concubine has run away and gone back to his parents, gone back to her family's house. And so he goes to claim his concubine and take his concubine back. And he goes and, and he gets his concubine. And after that, he, he leaves. And as, as they're leaving, they stop about halfway to rest in a city of the tribe of Benjamin. And in this city, there's this wickedness among the tribe of Benjamin. Happens is that they're, they're sitting there and they're in the public square and they're like, okay, we're going to just rest here for a moment. Somebody sees them and says, no, 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 you don't want to be here at night. Come and, and stay with me. And so what happens is, is this Levite and his concubine go and stay with this individual. And the men of, of the city, they decide that, that they, they form this mob and they go and they, 
they knock on the door of this man and say, give us this Levite so that we can have relations with him. Not like the good kind of relations. And the Levite, and even, even this man, he says, no, 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 please, please, you, you, don't, you don't want to do this. Don't, don't do this. It's not, it's not good. And they said, no, 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 give us this man. We, we want him. He said, no, no, no. And, and even the guy says, you can have my daughter instead of, 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 of this. You, you, don't, you don't, no, 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 let us have the Levite. And so the Levite instead, he opens the door, throws out his concubine and locks the door. Meanwhile, the concubine is horribly sexually assaulted and abused, raped over and over and over again. In the morning, the Levite gets up, walks outside, looks over the concubine who's laying in the doorstep, stoop, says, get up, let's go, we're going home. The concubine doesn't answer, she's dead. So what the Levite does is the Levite takes this dead woman back to his home. Again, this is, this is the Bible, all right? <laughs> Separates her body into 12 pieces, sends one peach, eat, piece each to the tri- 12 tribes of Israel and says, we have to do something about Benjamin. And the entire, all 11 tribes or the 12 tribes, including the two half tribes, right? So all the tribes of Israel gang up on the, on the tribe of Benjamin and essentially wipe them out completely. They, they take all of their wives. They, they cannot, like, there's no reproducing anymore of the tribe of Benjamin. They're, they've essentially snuffed them out. And then after that, the tribe of Benjamin, they're, where are our wives? I don't know what's, what's going, like, how are we supposed to, you know, like, we're one of the Lord's anointed tribes. Like, we, we should be able to, continue the line and so the tribe of Benjamin then steal them their wives for themselves in Shiloh and then the curtain closes and the words are spoken in those days there was no king in Israel and everyone did what was right in his own eyes the wickedness of God's people during this time. These weren't just, you know, these weren't Philistines that were doing these last things. These were God's people doing these things. It ends with that single verse, that, that theme, and it, it, anytime I read it, it just gives me chills, understanding, God, let that not be your church. There was no lasting peace for God's people. And the reason wasn't because they didn't have a king. It's because they didn't follow the king. They didn't follow God. This morning, and as I, you know, a couple years ago, it seemed like as you look at the the church at large, maybe, maybe just the American church, Over and over and over again, you see pastors leaving the ministry, not because they're just retiring, not because they they want to they they want to leave or they get another position and they transition out, or, or they're because the reason why they leave is because of moral failure. 
We have come to this point, I believe, in, in the American church specifically, that we are a church with judges. Another word for judge nowadays, maybe a better word, is a celebrity pastor. Bring you growth, bring you joy, bring you happiness for a time, but at some point it'll end. My heart for us this morning, please, please hear me, I know that this is a heavier sermon. My heart for us this morning is that we would be spurred to loving God. Again, as I look out, I see that the church is, we're in a season of judges. Those who are chosen by God bring temporary power, temporary, uh, temporary stations and battlements against the enemy for the church. But it doesn't last. I see pastors. You know, look, we, we all know who they are, right? We've all read the articles. Read the article, unfortunately, about Carl Lentz in Hillsong, New York, fall. Read the article even after, after Ravi Zacharias, one of the one of a great evangelist died. It came out that he was a wicked man. A week and a half ago, I read a story in an article about a pastor in, in Texas. One of the fastest, he, he was the pastor of one of the fastest growing churches in America. He had an affair and a moral failure. He was removed from his church. These things break my heart. It breaks my heart because, one, I, we're all fallen individuals, right? But it seems like in some cases, I'm not saying for all of them, I can't speak for all of these pastors, I can't, I can't speak for where they were, okay, but but it seems like they, they chased more of the notoriety than they did the anointing of God. It seems like they chased their own crown instead of chasing the crown. They look to, to how can I be extended? How can I be elevated in the eyes of people? When in all reality, that's exactly what the judges were. Elevated in the eyes of people to do great things with God, but they failed to do one thing, and that was to say, it's all God. Brought about peace, brought about growth, brought about, brought about greatness. Yes, how, how incredible is it? But it never lasted. Why? Because all of that was on the backs of the men that did it. Brothers and sisters, I believe that the church at large is at a crossroads, just as Israel so long ago was. You know, even some of these, 
some of these pastors, these church leaders, they, they didn't have moral failures. They just, you know, they went, went on to heaven. They, they, they retired, whatever that looks like. They left ministry. It wasn't a bad thing. It was just the next thing. And sometimes we as church people, we get so caught up in the personality and the charisma and the, and the rah-rah of the, of the pastor that when something happens or that individual leaves, that ends up breaking the church that they lead. That's not my heart. Look, I've been a lead pastor for five months. Actually, today marks my six-year anniversary of being here at Emmanuel. It's crazy, right? Like, how the time has flown, right? I don't want, I, I want our church, I want Emmanuel to be marked by the fact that we are chasing after and fixing our eyes on Jesus. That he is the one that's leading us. It's not about me. It's not about another ministry leader. Get this, like, ministry leaders in the room. If, if you disagree with me, ugh, we need to have a talk. This is not about your strength. This is not about how good you are at talking to people or how fantastic you may see that you are or any of those things. What it is, is it's about us fixing our eyes on Jesus and we should every single thing that we do as leaders in the church, every single thing we should do is point to that cross. So we're at a crossroads. The question for us and the question for the church at large, I think, is do we make ourselves a king or do we follow the king? So the fact of the matter is, is that we can make ourselves a king and, and then, you know, like, oh, great. Now we have a lead pastor. It's, everything's going to be dandy. It's all going to be rainbows and unicorns. And it's going to be wonderful. And it's going to be so great. It's been great, in my opinion. I think, I think God's been working and doing things. But the point of that statement is, thank God we have a king. Yes. <laughs> Instead, we should be saying, thank God that you're king. And so what will we choose? Again, if your faith is in a person, you'll be sorely disappointed. If your faith is in me, your faith is in me to bring about some great work of the Lord, you'll be sorely disappointed. I simply want to be a vessel of the Lord. God's going to move, but it's going to be God. 
God never calls us, as, as pastors, I believe this, God never calls us to be great. He never calls us to be wonderful, extraordinary. He doesn't call us to be, you know, the hippest. He doesn't call us to be uh, the most eloquent of speakers. He doesn't call us to be those things. The only thing God calls us to be is faithful. And if we, if you are going to put all your chips, you're going to be all in on Pastor Galen, you're going to lose. Because I'm human. I'm flawed. I will fall short. I'll forget to call, whatever that looks like. I'll double book something. I, I don't know. Wh whatever that looks like in your life, you're really just hoping that something happens and Pastor Galen does these things. And inevitably, I'm going to fall short. That's the same with everybody in here. We put our hope as wonderful and incredible as our church board is. If we put our faith in them, they'll fall short. That's the truth. No, we have to choose the king. We have to choose to follow him. Our faith and our hope should be in him, not in a person. Hebrews 6, 19 and 20 says, This hope we have is an anchor for our soul. A hope both sure and steadfast in one which enters within the veil where Jesus has entered as the forerunner for us. Having become a high priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek. This hope that we have is not a hope in a, in a person, but the person of Christ. This hope that we have is not this, this, oh man, a celebrity pastor, look at how great they are. Look at how, how much they're booming. You know, look at how eloquent they preach. No, it's in God. I would pray and I, and I would hope. I've said this before in, when I was a youth pastor. Now look, if God stops moving here, go where he's moving. That's a dangerous thing for me to say, right? Just leave. But I'm serious. If we stop seeking the cross, if we stop seeking the glory of God, if we stop seeking the kingdom of God in this church, Get out as fast as you can. Because at that point, then it just becomes about me. Look how great Pastor Galen is. No. See, when I want our people, our Emmanuel family, to be those who are so hungry for righteousness. I want the Emmanuel family to not, not sit there. And it's not about, not about what I can do. It's about what we all can do together for the kingdom of God. It's about us together reaching our communities. It's about us together 
bringing people in. It's about us together as a, as a community redeeming those who need to be redeemed. It's about all of us focusing on God, pursuing the cross, pursuing the Lord, saying, God, I just want more of you. Holy Spirit, I just need more of your anointing. God, I want another helping of it. I just continue to guide me and lead me. All of those things that's so important for us. And when we do that, church, we'll see God move in mighty ways. We'll see him do incredible things. Not because it's me, not because it's somebody else, but because it's God. He's the only, he has the only kingdom that lasts forever. Just so you know, like I read the back of the book, right? Every other kingdom fails. God's is eternal. So again, question. Will you follow the king? Maureen, you can come up. Will you follow the king? And I know it's a heavy heavier sermon, not necessarily the most happy-go-lucky thing when you're leaving here. My, my prayer is that as you're driving, you may drive in silence because you're just thinking about making and following the king and only the king. My hope is that even now the Holy Spirit is tapping on your heart and showing you places where you've made for yourself a king, a temporary king that will bring temporary happiness, temporary peace, whatever that may look like. But at the end of the day, when that person is gone, final story. There's a podcast out now about this, but there was a church and pastor has since left ministry and then was, is now back in ministry, healed and worked through a lot of things, I think. This church was a, was one of those celebrity pastor, great, powerful churches on the West Coast. I think at the, at the height of the ministry there, they had 12 different campuses and all these things. It was a massive church. God was moving in crazy ways. And this pastor ended up leaving the church. It wasn't necessarily a moral failure that he you know, committed adultery or he, uh, it was more of a moral failure in misplacement of church funds and different things like that. received some flack for some books that he wrote. And he left that church and it broke my heart because that was maybe, I think, 10 or 12 years ago. And, and he left that church and all 12 of those churches, like they were so shattered because that was their judge. That many of those churches died. 
Because the hope of the people was not on God, it was on this man. Let our hope this morning be on the King of Kings. Let it not be in a person. I want to be so used by God to do whatever God wants to do in this church and in this area. But it's all going to be God. It'll have nothing to do with me. Except for the fact that I said, okay, God, I'm willing. And so this morning, will you choose to follow the king? Will you choose to put your hope in the king? Will you choose to, to be all in for the king? Let us not make for ourselves a king. Let us learn from scripture. We make ourselves a king. We'll have 40, 50 years of goodness. Should the Lord tarry. But if we put our hope, everything in on the king, we'll have an eternal goodness. So will you do that this morning? That's, that's part of us doing this fast, you know. For us to seek the kingdom, for us to, to make him the king, for us to, to say no to, to King's stomach, for us to say no to our wants or, or to our, our, our fleshly desires, our, our instant gratification, and for us to say yes to the king and what the king wants for us. Let's make Jesus. Let's continue. Make, you know, some of you, you're sitting there and be like, Pastor Galen, Jesus is already my king. What are you talking about? Let it be a refresher to us then. Let it be a, a moment of sin and say, hey, you're on the right track. Keep it up. Don't veer off here or there. Continue on the path. It may get hard. There may be some really great kings that you want to go follow. For a temporary time, fix your eyes on the king. If we could stand all across this place. We're just going to sing song that we sang already we're just going to worship the lord in this time and you know we're just going to declare through this song we're going to declare that god is our king and you know as we're singing this maybe some of you maybe you're you're sitting around and you're 
Maybe you're standing there and you're like, man, I just, there's something in my heart. It's just like, like I don't know what it is and I don't really understand what's going on, but, but I feel like, you know, I, I'm, I'm being tugged between two things where I want to make God king, but, but there's another king in my life, whether that's a leader somewhere, maybe that's, you know, maybe that's a family member, maybe that's, uh, maybe that's a, a job, a coworker, a relationship, whatever that looks like. It's, it's pulling you away from fixing your eyes and being all in for the king. And maybe right now you're, you're feeling this. I believe that there's, there's maybe one of us, maybe a few, in here that you have this tugging on your heart and, and maybe even you, you come to church and you come to our gatherings together and you feel like your heart is torn and it's just, it's so weird. Like it feels like you're, you're fighting, you're inside your heart like your soul is fighting against itself and part of that is because you're trying to figure out you're fighting at who's your king and brother sister when you make God king that fight ends there's peace Scripture tells us that God is a God of peace. There's rest for you. And so if that's you and you're like, man, there's something in my heart that's just back and forth, just kind of this craziness, man, just know that the altars are open during this song. Let's just, let's do some business with God. I don't want us to all leave this place the same way that we came in. We should be laying something at the feet of Jesus. Or we should be encouraged and, and strengthened that what, where we're going and what we're doing is in line with Jesus. Whatever that is. Altars are open, come just spend some time with the Lord. Rest at the feet of Jesus. And all the rest of us, and even you, if you come forward, we're just going to worship the Lord. Because he's worthy of our worship. What better thing to do than to worship the king when deciding to make the king the king?